Welcome back today for another College Hoops Mania podcast. I'm your host, Wes Troyer, and one week later, and I'm back again with another podcast as this is episode number eight for you guys. It's been a really busy week, as always, in the college basketball world, lots of major results, upsets, and just learning more about uh, each team. And so let's get right into this today. Before, But before I start uh, talking about college basketball or anything to do with that, if you guys wouldn't mind and just giving me a quick subscribe if you're listening to this on Apple or a follow if you're listening to this on Spotify and if you wouldn't mind giving me a, a rating or a review as that just helps me get my podcast out there more to the public and uh, just gets more exposure to my podcast. So if you guys wouldn't mind doing that, that'd be a great help and I'd really appreciate that. But um, let's dive right into this today. So the first thing I want to talk about, and it was probably the biggest headline of the week when it happened. It was a huge deal. Michigan dominating Wisconsin. Michigan beat Wisconsin by 23. They were up by as much as 40 in that game. They were on a huge 36-3 run. I mean, it even turned into 43-6 at one point. But overall in this game, Michigan really couldn't have played a much better basketball game. I mean, Wisconsin could barely get it inside the three-point line. Michigan kept everything in front moved their feet well, were great defensively, closed out on shooters. The only guy that really got anything going for Wisconsin was Micah Potter, and he was in foul trouble the whole game. Everyone else really, really struggled for them. And then offensively, I mean, Michigan was just getting whatever they wanted. They had Wisconsin in constant scramble running around. Michigan was just spreading the ball around, just getting finding open shooters, I mean, making the extra pass, uh, driving in gaps. They were just getting whatever they wanted. So, I mean, Michigan really put on a clinic against Wisconsin. And then, so that was earlier in the week, and maybe one of the biggest storylines was that game individually. But then on Saturday, we saw Michigan lose to Minnesota um, in the barn by 17 in a place where Minnesota hasn't lost all year, actually. But, I mean, a just total swing. They go from dominating uh, Wisconsin by 23, game there up by 40 in, and then they end up losing to Minnesota the same week by 17. That's just life in the Big Ten right there. But, I mean, we saw, I mean, Michigan didn't have Eli Brooks in the game from earlier in the week against Wisconsin was just totally different than against Minnesota. We saw earlier in the week, Michigan turned the ball over eight times against Wisconsin, and then on Saturday, they turned it over 20 against Michigan. Well, I mean, that's a pretty big difference. And then on earlier in the week against Wisconsin, they shot 51% from the field and 56% from three. They were just hitting everything, getting great looks, too. And then Saturday, they didn't get the same looks. I mean... They were a little more careless offensively, like I said, with turnovers. They ended up shooting 39% from the field and 27 from three. So totally different games for them. Polar opposite performances. They didn't, Like I said earlier, they didn't have Eli Brooks. Mike Smith didn't even score in the game. So two of their guards, two of their starting guards, one didn't play, obviously didn't score, and the other one didn't score, and he did play. It was pretty crazy to see that from Michigan. And we kind of saw in the college basketball world a bit of an overreaction from the Wisconsin game. People are saying put him in the same category, same tiers like Gonzaga and Baylor. Maybe Michigan is the best team. Some people were saying that. And no disrespect to Michigan at all. I think the Minnesota game, instead of like concerns about Michigan, is more of just like one of those games. I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys that. You guys need to be concerned about Michigan as the Minnesota loss. I'm not saying that at all. I think Michigan is like a top five or six team. I'd probably have them at five or six in my personal rankings in the country. 
and they're nine in offense on Ken Palm. They're eleven in defense on Ken Palm. They're they're clearly more one of the complete teams in the country, up there at the top for the most complete teams in the country. The only team I would say is definitely more complete is Baylor, which I don't think anyone can disagree with. Baylor's clearly clearly the most complete team in the country, as I said on my previous podcast. But yeah, like there's no need to overreact too much about the Minnesota game, just like some did against. Uh, for the Wisconsin game, Michigan against Wisconsin was probably at their very best, and against Minnesota was, you know, it may be their very worst. We saw two polar opposites, like I said, uh, in the same week for Michigan. That's crazy, and like I said, just life in the Big Ten, you can go from on such a high to such a low because the schedule does not lighten up ever. It's it's actually ridiculous how good the Big Ten is, and We'll see how many teams they get. I had that conversation in an earlier podcast. I think 10's the most likely, but we'll see. 11's possible. We'll see if they can set the record this year or not. But like looking at Michigan, there's still five in Ken Palm, five in the net, five in Sagarin. Those are three of the higher uh, metrics that people look at. They're 11 in BPI, a little lower in BPI. Still high, though. But yeah, like five and three of those metrics. Um. And, and, like, Minnesota already played Michigan, and Michigan beat them down. And Minnesota was clearly, you know, pretty mad about that game. Felt like they played a terrible game. And it's hard to beat a team twice in a year. And it really wasn't all that long ago when they played. It was just, like, two weeks ago. And you kind of saw Minnesota took advantage of things that didn't go uh, their way the game before. A lot of people looked at that Liam Robbins-Hunter Dickinson matchup going into the first game. Hunter Dickinson absolutely dominated that matchup in round one. In round two, we saw a totally different thing. Robbins really took advantage of being able to take Dickinson away from the basket. He hit open shots, and uh, uh, Eric Curry also got in the game and made some shots and stretched out Hunter Dickinson, took him away from the basket. So Minnesota did a great job exploiting the weakness of Dickinson by you know not just letting him play on the low, bo- low block and play inside all day. But looking at Michigan, like I said, I think they're an awesome team. I don't think they're the best team in the country. I don't think they're in the same tier as Gonzaga and Baylor. I think those two are in their own tier. But I still think they're uh, right in the next tier and still like a top five or six team in the country. I love how they defend. They're great at uh, keeping teams in front of them and closing out on shooters. I love them defensively. I love them offensively. I think Livers and Wagner give them so much versatility, and it's a large part of why I like them so much because you can put a lot of different looks at them. And they have a lot of answers to a lot of different looks because of the versatility, and it's a large part due to Livers and Wagner where they can do so much for them. On the flip side of this Michigan talk, obviously I talked about Wisconsin a little bit. I want to talk about Wisconsin a little bit more. And a question that people are asking around the country is, is Wisconsin really you know, that good, like that top 10, clear top 10 team that they were ranked as going into the year? Some people thought they were a top 5 team in the country going into the year. In my personal opinion... I think Wisconsin is a good team. I don't think they're as good as what people thought. I think offensively they seem to really struggle at times. And watching them, outside of Demetri Trice, they don't really have a guy that you give the ball to and you can trust on them to be able to get downhill or go create their own shot and get a bucket. Trice has been having a phenomenal year and has done a great job at that. But like I don't Davison isn't really able to get by guys. A lot of their offense is just kind of in their motion, getting uh, buckets out of their motion offense. It's not really a lot of, you know, at the end of the shot clock, they really struggle because if they, if I mean, Trice can do it, but nobody else really can. Like, I mean, Reavers and Potter are great players, but they're more of, you know, 
getting buckets within the offense or you know making an open three off of a pass from somebody else it's not a lot of guys being able to give the ball and you know just attack the gaps off the dribble uh get paint touches which uh often will result in open threes due to collapsing the defense wisconsin's not really that great at that and i think that's a part of maybe why they're not as good as what people thought because maybe they're not that great offensively like i still think they're a pretty a pretty good offensive team but they're not elite offensively and we'll say that i mean i love the fact that their average uh, age of their starting lineup is 22 years old i mean that that's a lineup that i'll trust you know in big games and when you know when controversy hits when hard times hit like it did against michigan i'm pretty confident they'll bounce back because they have a mature group they have an experienced group and that that's a big factor when evaluating a team so i do like that about them a lot another thing is nate Reeves has really taken a step back this year i mean he's he's scoring nearly four points per game less than he did a year ago he's shooting four percent worse from the field he's getting less rebounds about one less rebound a game and he's blocking about one less shot a game He's shooting it about the same from three as he did last year, which he his sophomore year is his best year shooting from three, and then he uh, went downhill the next year, and then he's about at that same spot, around 34% from three. He can shoot it better from out there, but he really hasn't shot it great this year, like I said, not just from three, but just from the field in general. Getting Reavers back to normal is a huge thing for Wisconsin because they need him, and you saw on Friday, Greg Gard actually didn't start Nate Reavers which goes to show you how much he struggled. He uh, started Wall, Tyler Wall in that game instead. Wall's played some good minutes for them recently. He earlier, uh, just like two weeks ago, he had the two huge threes against Indiana, which ended up getting a win for them in double overtime. So yeah, Greg Gard actually switched the lineup up. They beat Rutgers on Friday, so that was a big win for them. Rutgers has clearly been struggling also recently, but in the Big Ten, teams are going to go through rough patches. And that, that just goes with the scheduling. There's no nights off in the conference. But overall, answering my question, is Wisconsin actually a good basketball team? Wisconsin's definitely a good basketball team. They're really solid on both ends of the floor. I think they're better defensively than they are offensively. They have a lot of room to improve offensively. Getting Reavers back to normal is a large part to that. I think maybe if Davison can give them a little bit more off the dribble. They need, they need to find a second guy that can do some more create for, creating for himself off the dribble, and I think that'll be huge because outside of Trice, they lack in that department. Getting past talking about Wisconsin, next up on the agenda is discussing the Texas Tech-Texas game earlier in the week where Texas Tech actually knocked off Texas in Austin by a score of 79-77. to it was it was a pretty good pretty good entertaining game for most of the way. Mac McClung uh, ended up hitting a game winning jumper, uh, foot on the line, with about two seconds left, and that was enough to give Texas Tech the win. Like I said, by a score of seventy nine to seventy seven. And takeaways from this game, th- this was a really impressive win for Texas Tech. And like I said about Big Ten about the Big Ten being so tough night tonight, the Big Twelve is honestly very similar in that way the big 12 might have a little worse of a bottom but it i mean the top six teams in this league are really good and honestly they have eight pretty dang good teams in this league but take but takeaways from this game texas tech did a great job of not letting a bigger texas front court dominate them on the boards because i mean texas tech is rather small they don't have a true center they don't really have a lot of size in their front court 
And Texas has Jericho Sims, who's a real big body. Greg, uh, Greg Brown is big at 6'9". Kai Jones is big off the bench. I mean, Texas, Texas has a lot of size. And Texas Tech did a great job of not letting Texas dominate the boards. And they held their own, really. I, I thought Kevin McCullers, in, in not just in that game, but all year long, has done a great job at helping Texas Tech rebound and you know be okay in that in that department because like I said they're undersized and, and they've accepted that fact but they don't let teams bully them around they hold their own even though they're always going to be undersized in the team they're playing and for a large part of this year Texas Tech is their problem has been on the offensive end you know scoring the ball and you know shooting from three their percentages haven't been too well from from beyond the arc and their defense has been consistently about a top five defense all year long. And that's been normal for Chris Beard. That's just kind of the culture he's set at Texas Tech, where they've had great defenses year in and year out here recently. But lately, the Texas Tech offense has really started to click. And I'm recording this, obviously, after the Baylor game, where they ended up losing later in the week. But Baylor's a great defense. They're now the number one defense in the country on Ken Palm. But Texas Tech... I mean, the game before that, they dropped 90 against Iowa State. They were on a, they were on a three-game winning streak before the Baylor game. No shame losing to Baylor. This was a great win against Texas. And I think their offense is, is really coming along, making more shots from the outside, which is huge for them. And they and not just shooting the ball better, but they've been taking the taking care of the ball a lot better. They only had seven turnovers Wednesday night. Turnovers always a key stat to look at. I mean, you want to have as many opportunities as you can, and Texas Tech did a good job at doing that. Something else to look at, Texas actually hit 13 threes in that game. And for Texas Tech to you know, score enough points to outlast a really hot shooting Texas team, because Texas can really out from the, from the three-point line. Coleman, Ramey, Andrew Jones, I mean, those guys have, really have the ability to make shots from the outside in a hurry, too. And they did in that game. They hit a... They had a barrage of threes on Texas Tech. But I really do love the direction that uh, this Texas Tech team is going. Because, I mean, you won't really find a team that's much tougher than them in the country. And th- that's just kind of how the Chris Beards teams how the Chris Beards teams have been there. He always has tough guards. He has tough bigs. I mean, they're always like their energy is just so high on both ends of the floor. They're always so focused. Chris Beard has been a big coach, a uh, big promoter of you know looking at those hustle stats and really um analyzing a player you know how good they are how valuable they are to a team based off the hustle stats and hustling you know diving on the floor taking charges that's just a part of the culture that goes on at texas tech and that's just what's expected of you now and it's really done a great job there and he's done a great job in lubbock mac mcclung like i said obviously hit the game winning game winner in that game He's just an absolute gamer. Like, if I had to pick one player who I wanted to have the ball in his hands to take the last shot of the game, it's hard to say you wouldn't want Mac McClung as your guy. I mean, he's hit big shots. He he's fearless. He like he he wants the ball in those big moments. And that's what I love about him so much. With that huge win and Texas finally taking a loss, I mean, the Big Twelve and how you'd rank teams in that conference gets really difficult now because we've seen Texas dominate Kansas. We saw Kansas go to Texas Tech and win. And then we saw Texas Tech beat Texas. So those three, for those three teams, for like two, three, and four, it's really hard to judge. And we're seeing the rise of Oklahoma State as well. I mean, they gave it to Kansas earlier this past week. 
Oklahoma State's looking like a really good team, and West Virginia has shown signs as well. I mean, they almost beat Texas too. That conference is just really good. I think everyone can agree Baylor is the number one team in the conference, especially after they beat Texas Tech in Lubbock on Saturday. But, yeah, still a great win for Texas Tech. The Big 12 is such a good league. Next up, Virginia just pounds Clemson on Saturday, 85-50. to It was over very quickly. Virginia came into the year as the number four team in the country, and this is really the first game of the year where they've kind of looked like a top-five team in the country. They have not played a lot of good basketball this year. I mean, they've still won a lot of games. They obviously had the bad loss to San Francisco, but, I mean, they've still been winning games, but not by, you know, not looking too impressive while doing it. But on Saturday, they put together a 40 minutes of what is one of the best 40 minutes of the year thus far. And we're seeing a Virginia team that is still really good defensively, and we saw it Saturday, but this Virginia offense looks really good. They hit 15 threes in that game, so that was crazy. They got really hot from the three-point line. I mean, Sam Hauser and Jay Huff are complete mismatches for teams. Those in their front court for Virginia, that's really difficult to defend. Huff is I mean, seven foot and he's shooting threes, but he can also put the ball on the floor. He can score with his back to his back to the basket, so he's really valuable for Virginia. And Sam Hauser is the preseason ACC Player of the Year, the transfer from Marquette. So I mean, obviously, people know about him and, and his ability as well. Um, like I said, this might not be the same Virginia defense that we're used to seeing in recent years, but they're still doing a good job. They're still a borderline top 10 defense in the country. So, I mean, they might not be the number one defense in the country or the number two defense like we're used to seeing, but it's still a really good defense. And, and the fact is Clemson going into the game on Saturday was the number one defense in the country and Virginia just made them look really, really bad. Virginia made a lot of threes, but they were getting a lot of open threes as well. And yeah, I mean, Virginia won't always shoot that well from the three-point line, and it was one of the better games they'll play, but Virginia still did a lot of really good things offensively and made the number one defense in the country look pretty bad. Kihei Clark, though, has really improved tremendously in recent games, especially this year. I mean, he was a bit inconsistent, especially offensively in his career. He's been inconsistent. He's been, uh, I mean, it hasn't really necessarily been from the three-point line, although he'll still take some threes here and there, but he's been taking... Uh, better shots inside the arc and, and making them in a pretty high percentage. I like uh, how he, he had five assists and zero turnovers on Saturday. He's really turned into a great leader and voice for this Virginia team, and I love I love what he's doing for them right now. Trey Murphy as well. Trey Murphy has been playing great minutes all year for Virginia. I love his shot selection as well. I like this whole Virginia team that they really take smart shots. They know what a good shot and a bad shot is. And they do a good job at, you know, moving the ball, going through their mover blocker offense until they get what they want. I would say at this point, it's pretty safe to say that Virginia is the best team in the ACC. I think going into this game, people wouldn't be sure. Is it Clemson? Is it Virginia? Is it, you know, Virginia Tech? Could be a, it could be a few teams in the ACC. No one's really taking charge to, you know, prove that they're the best. But on Saturday, in the, the showing that Virginia put on, I think it's, pretty safe to say that Virginia is definitely the best team in the ACC and they will win the ACC regular season title this year as it's hard to really imagine that a team in the ACC is better than them but let alone like this is just a really consistent team as well it's a team that you trust trust over the course of a season so I'm confident in saying that they're the 
they're the favorites and that they will win the ACC regular season title in 2021. Next up, let's talk about Illinois a little bit. Illinois has now lost back-to-back games, and they were both at home, by the way, to Maryland and Ohio State. They're no longer a top-10 team in Ken Palm. They're sitting at 11, and their defense continues to struggle. They're now the number 31 defense in the country. And if you watch Illinois, I mean, it's pretty clear where the struggle's at on this team, and the struggles are on the defensive side of the floor, not the offensive side. Um, On Saturday against Ohio State, you saw Ohio State kind of exploit a weakness for Illinois, and that is taking Kofi Coburn away from the basket. EJ Liddell did a great job at making, I mean, he had to make shots to uh, get Kofi to respect him, but Liddell is a good shooter, and he did a good job at, you know, he he made shots on the outside, so he made Kofi step away from the basket, and when you get Kofi to step away from the basket, it's great for other people, it makes driving lanes a little bit easier, you don't have to worry about going into Kofi Coburn, the big body of Kofi, when driving into the lane. So Liddell, stretching the floor, if you have a five that can do that, playing Illinois, I mean, that's something that you really need to exploit in Illinois in their defense because if you take Kofi away from the basket that really opens a lot of things up and not just opening things up but Kofi just can't really defend from the perimeter I mean that's just that's not that's just not who he is that's not it's something he's really going to improve at I mean he's he's too big to really be able to move his feet and stay in front of guys from the perimeter so having a guy like EJ Liddell really helps when playing Illinois But Illinois also has really just consistently struggled to close out on shooters. They haven't defended the three-point line very well this year at all. And Illinois has just shown so many flashes of just great, great basketball, and this team looks amazing. But they have also shown many flashes of what even is this team. Like, they don't defend. They're not taking good shots. How do we even evaluate this team? And And we've seen both ends of the spectrum this year. We saw against Northwestern, they're down 15 at halftime. And in the second half, they beat they outscore Northwestern 53 to 13 and just absolutely dominate them one of the best halves of the college basketball season and you know, it was one of the best halves of basketball of probably all time to be honest. They they were just that good in that half. But then we also see against Maryland. Maryland doesn't even have Eric Ayala, their best player. Maryland is one of the worst teams in the Big 10 probably. Like Nebraska's the worst, Maryland might be the second worst. It's kind of hard to say, but they're they're down there, one of the one of the uh, lesser Big Ten teams, and they didn't have their best player. And Illinois still let them win. It's really hard to judge this Illinois team right now. They just have so many lapses. They're super inconsistent, like I said, and it's really hard to say that they're one of the best teams in the country when you don't really know what Illinois your t- what Illinois team you're going to get on a night to night basis. Um, in my opinion, at the end of the day, and when the season, when the regular season's all wrapped up, going into the NCAA tournament, I think Illinois will be the third best team in the Big Ten. And I don't know if they are right now. Ohio State's playing pretty dang good basketball right now. Wisconsin still, I mean, even though they took the beating to uh, Michigan, they, they then they bounced back and beat Rutgers on Friday. But at the end of the day, Illinois is the third best team in the Big Ten to me. I think Michigan's better. I think Iowa's better. I think that's pretty safe to say. But I still think Illinois is a great team. Brad Underwood, he's not going to let this Illinois team continue to defend like this. He's a hard-nosed coach that really coaches defense and demands his his players to defend. So 
I mean, I think Illinois will be okay. They might not be a top five team in the country like some people hope for them to be. But this is still a really good team, and they they have they have clear weaknesses, and I believe that Brad Underwood will figure them out and get this Illinois team, you know, on the right note going forward. Um, but let's look at some more notable results. I'm not gonna touch on these as in depth as I did as prior stuff, but there's a lot of notable results to cover from this past week in the college basketball world. On Saturday, we saw Baylor beat Texas Tech 68 to 60. I I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but Baylor with really a big win in Lubbock right after Texas Tech beat Texas Baylor comes and beats Texas Tech by eight and then Baylor two days later will have to play Kansas so Baylor has a real tough stretch here but I mean Baylor continues to show that they're the most complete team in the country they're just so good defensively they now are the number one defensive team in the country on Ken Palm Jared Butler is a first team All-American I love I mean they're six guards deep this Baylor team's really good and you can make a strong case that they're the best team in the country Next up, on Saturday, also, we saw Creighton snap a six-game win streak. They didn't have Marcus Zagorowski in this game. They lost to Butler in overtime in Eagle Fieldhouse. Creighton continues to look better defensively. They're a bit inconsistent on the offensive end. Mahoney had a great game, but outside of him, everyone shot it really poorly. Ballack shot it horribly. Uh, they didn't get much bench, uh, bench contribution, so Creighton did snap a six-game win streak. I still think they're a really good basketball team, and, and not having your best player hurts a lot too, so you got to consider that as well. Auburn had a great week. After Auburn lost to Alabama on Sharif Cooper's debut um, the previous Saturday, not yesterday, the 17th, but uh, the 10th of January, we saw them lose to Alabama. And then the next two games, they played Georgia and Kentucky, and they won both of those games. Sharif has continued to shine. He didn't play as well Saturday against Kentucky, but he continues to rack up assists. And against Georgia, he scored the ball really well as well. Uh, also, so I mean, getting Justin Powell be huge for Auburn when they get him back. But Auburn's looking like a good basketball team and one of the better teams in the SEC. More SEC talk. Kentucky after having a really encouraging start in SEC play at 3-0, and they're, they're encouraging dominant road win against Florida. They now dropped two straight this past week to Alabama and Auburn. Kentucky kind of goes right back to where people thought they might be, and really disappointing news for Kentucky, for their fan base, for Calipari, for their players, because they fr- were finally getting some confidence. They had Keon Brooks back, and then it just fell right back to a dark place. So a rough week for the Kentucky Wildcats. On Saturday as well, we saw Florida State beat Carolina without Scotty Barnes. Really encouraging win for Florida State. Carolina looked really good offensively at times, but they just turned the ball over too much. They shot the ball better. Anthony Harris played some good minutes in his debut of the season as he was out for injury, but he came back and looked good. I thought Carolina showed a lot of good stuff offensively, but Florida State did a good job at turning them over. It was encouraging for Florida State to win this game without Scotty Barnes as well. Another notable result we saw was Alabama. They continue to play really, really good basketball. They had two dominating wins over Kentucky and Arkansas. They have the win against Tennessee. They're undefeated in SEC play. They have a big game against LSU this upcoming week. But, I mean, I love Alabama on both ends of the floor. They're a super talented team. Herb Jones is awesome. Love what he does for them. John Petty's awesome. They have depth. They had Quinterly back now. I really like Alabama. This looks like 
a really good basketball team and a dark horse Final Four team going forward. And the last notable result that I'm going to talk about is Purdue. Purdue makes it eight wins in a row over Indiana on Thursday. Then on Sunday, they beat Penn State. But Purdue is really looking like a good basketball team. They've improved a lot over this year. And against Indiana, I mean, the difference between those two Indiana, those two rival schools, is pretty clear. They both have good big men. Trace Jackson Davis, Travion Williams, excellent, excellent big men. But Purdue has perimeter play that can shoot the ball where Indiana just does not right now. I love Newman on the outside. Stefanovic is almost automatic from the outside. Hunter's been playing well. Gillis, inside-outside, I like his versatility. Ivy's kind of a spark off the bench for them. And, and Purdue doesn't even have a single senior on this team. This is a young Purdue team that next year, I mean, really, really is going to be a great basketball team. They have a good recruiting class coming in as well. So Purdue looking like a really good basketball team. Big week for them. All right. Finishing up covering this past week, I'm going to look ahead at four games that I picked out for this upcoming week and make some picks on them, talk about them a little bit. And so let's get started. First up, Monday night, Kansas at Baylor. This is a huge game in the Big 12. Although I think Kansas has the ability and I like, I love Jalen Wilson and I, and I think Kansas can be really good sometimes. Like we saw them win at Texas Tech earlier this year. It's really hard to say where I'd rank them in the Big 12. It's, it's a mess from like two on and down. But Baylor being at home and, and Baylor, in my opinion, just being definitely the best team in the Big 12. I will pick Baylor. I think they're better on both ends of the floor. It's Baylor's such a good defensive team. They're so solid on that end. I love their bench. I love Chamo Chacho off the bench. I love Flagler, Mayer. This is a really, really good Baylor team. And I know everyone wants to say Gonzaga is the best team in the country, but you can make a strong case that Baylor is the best team in the country. Tuesday night, big SEC matchup. Alabama at LSU. Alabama is undefeated in conference play. LSU only has one loss. LSU beat South Carolina on Saturday. LSU is kind of one of the harder teams to judge where they are so elite offensively. Cam Thomas is one of the best scorers in the country and probably the best scoring freshman in the country. A lot of good freshmen this year. And where Alabama, I like them on both ends of the floor. I love their athleticism. Herb Jones is awesome to watch. I love I love defensively what he can do. And Alabama just has really big wings. I like their size. I like that Javon Quinterly is back. I think both of these teams are really, really dangerous. I think LSU being at home in this game, I'm going to pick LSU. It's really hard to judge LSU and to pick a game they're involved in because of, you know, how diff- like the way they play defensively, you just don't know what you're going to get from that team. But them being at home, I love I love what they do offensively. It's such a good offensive team with Trendon Watford, with Cam Thomas, Javante Smart, Darius Days. I'm going to pick LSU to get a big win at home Tuesday night. Next up, Friday night in the Big Ten, we have Michigan at Purdue. Purdue is playing great basketball right now. And Michigan came off of the loss to Minnesota. And Michigan had a roller coaster week the, year, the week before, as I touched on in this podcast. But in this matchup, although I love the way Purdue's playing, I think they're a really good, they're a really good team. I think they're underrated in the Big Ten. I'm still going to pick Michigan. I think they'll get a bounce back. Um after the Minnesota game, and they'll be a little angry about how they played in that game. So I'll take Michigan 
to win at Purdue Friday night. And the last game I'm going to pick is in the ACC on Saturday, Duke at Louisville. Duke, you know, not as good as what people thought. They, I don't, I think their backcourt has really struggled. They don't have a lot of size in the backcourt either. Stewart's kind of, he Stewart's inconsistent. Roach, Roach has been inconsistent. Goldwire has his moments. You know, he struggles in other moments. Getting Jalen Johnson now back is big for them. Matthew Hurt has been has been really good for them. But Louisville, I just think, is a better team overall than Duke, and they're home as well. So I'll, I'll pick Louisville in this game. I love Carly Jones and David Johnson. That combination in the backcourt is one of the more underrated backcourts in the country. So I, I'll pick Louisville in this game and for them to win at home on Saturday. With that being said, that'll be the conclusion of this College Hoops Mania podcast. I really appreciate you guys listening to this episode. I will be back with you guys in about another week to cover another crazy college basketball week because every week in the college basketball world is crazy. Notable results every day. So again, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys have a great week, and I'll see you guys later.